If not, don't worry. We're going to read this morning from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So, going back into uh, the Old Testament, so Ecclesiastes, sort of at the end of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. We're going to read from uh, chapter 3 there in a minute. For those who don't know me, my name's Glenn Decker, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I have the privilege of bringing your word, or God's word, uh, to us this morning. So, um, yeah, it's up on the screen as well, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything there is a season and a time, for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from their toil? I have seen the business that or the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put, everything, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat, drink, and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceived whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it or anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. There is the word of God to us uh, this morning. I thought that was my phone, but I don't think it is. It's on silent. That's good. Um, as I was planning this, ser- uh, this sermon, this message today, uh, God was sort of laying some stuff on my heart about uh, what I should share, and I sort of got to uh, thinking about this passage and thinking about seasons in life. And uh, so I went down this sort of whole idea of uh, thinking about seasons and what they look like and how they affect us. Not realising that tomorrow is the first day of winter. Yeah. So God's orchestrated it, I think. Um, so it's been, it's been nice to think about that. So I, I don't know if you've been noticing as you get up in the mornings, uh, noticing a, a fresher morning, uh, no, noticing not so much uh, light around as we uh, look forward to another Melbourne winter, or not really. Uh, at the same time as I've been sort of going through autumn this year, uh, autumn has, b- for me, become, uh, it's becoming one of my favourite seasons. 
Um, there's something about uh, the crispness of the air. There's something about, I don't know, the blueness of the sky. Uh, and there's something about just autumn leaves uh, that are really quite beautiful and that I'm actually learning to appreciate. This, uh, this week I had to drop my car off for a service and I walked up to the office and it was a really cool, crisp morning. The sun was coming up and it was just sort of shining through the autumn leaves and there was just this sort of glowing radiation of, I don't know, the display of God uh, in it. So um, I think there's something about when we uh, look at the seasons and we consider them um, that um, God is revealing himself uh, in them. I think it's interesting, though, that in Melbourne, uh, and particularly uh, where we are in Victoria, that we have quite distinct seasons, four distinct seasons. And um, in other parts of the world, you don't get that so much. But here, you, we, we really get the sense of moving uh, from summer into autumn, and autumn is different to winter, and um, uh, winter is different to spring. And as we would all know, uh, in Melbourne, we sometimes experience all of those in one day, um, don't we? And so uh, I was talking to someone this week and we were talking about how people from Melbourne uh, talk so much about the weather. If you actually go to other parts of the world, people don't talk so much about the weather, but there's something unique, I think, maybe from people that live in this sort of climate where the, the weather's constantly changing and it could be sort of, uh, we don't quite know what we're going to get. Uh, and I think people uh, do that... Uh, Think about um, the season, they've constantly got weather apps on their phones and stuff like that because they want to be prepared. That as you're going to, uh, to work in the day, you don't know what the, the end of the day is going to be. So you've got to have your brolly with you or you've got to layer up because uh, you don't know what it's going to sort of work out throughout the day. And as we uh, sort of learn and read about the, ex uh, the seasons and as we experience the seasons, it actually helps us to negotiate them. If you've lived in Melbourne for a while, uh, you know what to expect from the sea and you actually prepare for them, you actually uh, expect them and you actually, uh, 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 that actually enables you to get through them. And as we uh, prepare for them, uh, as I've just both said, there's positives and negatives of all the seasons. Just have to start a bit of a play around with that. There's positives and negatives of, of all the seasons. There's things that we don't look forward to. There's things that we do look forward to uh, as we go through them. And it's interesting, as we read through the Bible, the Bible uh, constantly makes links between our natural world, the things that are going on around us, and the spiritual world, the spiritual reality. And it's often using these uh, images to help ourselves uh, understand who we are and who God is. And that uh, particularly the wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes is, is part of that group of books that is sort of wisdom literature and they use uh, lots of sort of poetry and imagery. Uh, and the reason uh, that, that that is done is it helps us understand things. And wisdom literature in particular uh, helps us understand uh, life or things from different perspective. They give us an, an image rather than an explanation of how it works. And so sometimes we're sort of working, we're not quite sure what that means or how that works, but it says something about life and it actually gets us pondering uh, about what life and how that works. You might think about uh, the parables as well. Uh, they use the same tool. They give an image to help us understand life and see, re help us recognise how God uh, is working in our lives. So this morning, as we um, consider 
the seasons of life, the seasons of our lives. The question that we ask is, what helps you negotiate the seasons of your life? And if you start to play with this idea that we're not just talking about weather seasons now, we're talking about the seasons that we experience in life. Uh, we'll go to the next slide, George, where are we up to? Sorry, go through those. Next one. There were just some images uh, as we think about um, the seasons and the different expectations. We'll go to the next slide, George. Thank you. And as we go through um, the seasons of life and then we have the ups and downs, I, I came across this quote this week that I thought was quite interesting, isn't it? that um, actually we now learn to live with them. We, live that we expect that there are going to be ups and downs. And if we were to think about if there weren't ups and downs in life, it's almost that we'd be dead. Um, it's not the reality of life. We know that, that life brings uh, its ups and downs. And I just thought, yeah, actually we don't want a plain life. Plain sort of simple flat life and probably a boring life. We don't experience the nuances of the highs and lows of life. And I just thought that's interesting for us to think about that. We don't actually want a flat life. There's something about the ups and downs of life that help us uh, know who we are, know who God is. We'll go to the next one, George. And so as we think about seasons in life, I think um, people most would probably think um, about the seasons of age of life, of what it was like when I was a child or a teenager or getting married or um, you know, even entering the elderly season of life, of birth and death. And here in Ecclesiastes, he lists off lots of them, doesn't he? Uh, he talks about uh, birth and death. He talks about uh, loving and hating. He talks about uh, joys and sorrows. Uh, he talks about building and demolishing. He talks about weeping and laughing. So as you think about these things, think about um, the aspects of your life and what season that you might be in. We recognize that there are emotional seasons the joys and sadnesses. We recognize that there are health seasons, aren't there? At times we experience good health and other times our health is taken from us. We experience ministry seasons where we seem to see God working uh, in and through us and a harvest coming in. And other times we just know it's the hard work of plowing the ground and sowing the seed. We have relational seasons Seasons where our relationships are torn up and torn apart and at times when they flourish and we, were, and we live in the beauty of them and we embrace what it means to be in love or to work with each other in harmony. We recognize that there are worldly seasons, there are seasons of war and peace, of persecution, of famine, of uh, drought, of fire as well as uh, harvest and plenty. So the question is, what are the seasons in your life? And I probably expect that this, in, in different aspects, there's going to be different seasons. But what are the seasons in your life at the moment? Have a bit of a think, have a bit of a ponder around some of these things. What are the seasons that you're going through? And then the question behind it is, how are you getting through them? How are you negotiating those seasons in life.
Corolyn and I have shared uh, with you as a church, um, and church councillors sent out a letter to everyone, and we shared on Thursday night um, that we're going through a different season, and me particular. Um, it's an interesting season for me in life, um, and I've actually I've been doing a bit of painting. A few of you know that I've been doing a bit of painting, a couple of my paintings up there, where I've sort of been um, exploring this whole idea that I, at, at the moment, my life, I feel a little bit dormant, a little bit uh, dry, a little bit, um, I suppose, ex- well, no, not so exhausted, but just lacking motivation and drive and passion. I found myself sort of withdrawing from things and uh, negative attitudes uh, going through my mind. Uh, through a number of people that have sort of helped me through this, sort of recognising the signs of burnout in my own life and what that is doing uh, to me. And I painted a couple of these paintings and and one of them I I, I called Living Dormant. I'm I'm not dead. (laughs) I know that God still lives in me and works in me, but I just feel like a lack of fruitfulness, a a lack of drive, uh, a lack of energy for... My, my ministry here. I recognise that, you know, I've been on church council for 17 years straight. <laughs> I worked out the other day. I've been working in this church for 13 years. And, and there's something about that season of life or the longevity of life that just, I don't know, takes a toll on you. And it's not that I, I don't love you any less or I don't love God any less, but there's this season that um, I've been struggling through. And, you know, listen to the language that we use when we describe this sort of stuff. I felt like I've been in a desert, that there's been a drought. (laughs) It felt sometimes like I've been in a dry, weary land. (laughs) It's seasonal language, isn't it? I think that I need refreshing. (laughs) I need new rain. I need to be built up. One of the things that's really caught me by surprise is how through this time I've drifted from God. You might think, how did a pastor do that? And I just get about doing the things, and and actually what Yo mentioned a number of times this week convicted me, that I end up just doing it in my own strength. I write another great sermon, or I'll do this, or I'll do that, and I'll try and work harder at this. And it's interesting, if you read stuff about burnout, you know what it leads to? It leads to stress because what happens with people who are suffering burnout is they try and do it themselves and they try and work harder and longer and stronger and I'm just so thankful (laughs) that God has saved me from some of that. When people ask me about ministry, uh, one of my standard lines at the moment has been, there are ups and downs and God is at work in both. There are ups and downs and God's at work in both. And so um, as I head into this sabbatical, uh, this time of refreshing and refocus and reassessing, uh, sort of probably, you know, even think of the language here, pruning and thinking about future ministry and future um, harvest or fruit. I'm thankful that God has brought people and situations into my life and our life Um, that have enabled us to look at this different. So there's actually been times where I felt dry and weary and I'm beginning to see the beauty of God in it. I'm beginning to see the beauty of God in this place through people like yourselves. 
as you have encouraged me. Last week, I went to Synod. I was at Synod, so I was at talking with all the pastors. And that time, I spoke to five pastors that had all experienced some sort of burnout and had some sort of sabbatical. And they started to share with me about what they did and how they did it and how it refreshed them. And I get a glimpse in this dry place, I get a glimpse of God's beauty, of God's orchestration of things. That he doesn't leave me in this place. He doesn't, he's not absent from me. I haven't sought him or I haven't gone to... But here in, in, in this season where I'm feeling dry, God is still there and his beauty is there. And I think this idea of sabbatical, and as I've been reading about this, um, for me it's a, it's a biblical tool that actually helps us deal with the seasons of life. I would encourage you to think about how um, sabbaticals might work in your life. How, where do you have times of rest and re- re- relaxation or refocus in your life, either long-term or short-term? And so this morning, as we think about um, these seasons that Ecclesiastes writer has written there, I want us to focus particularly on the verses 9 to 14 that come after these famous verses because I think they give us the biblical tools of how to negotiate the seasons of life. They give us a biblical worldview that will help us negotiate uh, what comes in our lives. And the writer to the Ecclesiastes, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes, um, right through the book, is asking the big questions in life. He's asking, uh, what's the purpose of this? What's the meaning of life? I can't quite work it all out. It's not making sense. And he said, you know, this work and toil thing, it doesn't seem to satisfy. And then he, he, if you read through all of Ecclesiastes, he says, I've just about tried everything and it doesn't satisfy. There's something about the things of this world that just don't satisfy. Why do I feel the burden? Why is life so hard? Why do I not get a sense of what's going on? And in many ways, he answers himself in these verses. He asks lots of questions. This is the way we negotiate the seasons of life. We ask these questions. It's okay to ask these questions. It's okay to wrestle through them and to ask, why am I toiling or why is it? Why do I, am I burdened? Why am I lacking energy or thing in life? And right the way through, as the writer goes through Ecclesiastes, he doesn't leave God out of the picture. His reality is um, that God is, um, he's, you know, he's, if you think of when he wrote in history, um, from the ancient Near East, his perspective is and most people that lived in that time, that God was overall, through all, and in all. God was through it all. And what he does in many ways in the book of Ecclesiastes, he tries to live life without God. That's what he tries to do. In all his experimenting, he says, I'm going to try and find satisfaction and meaning in pur- and purpose without God. And he almost takes on this life experiment of trying to live without God. And in the end, he comes back to the point that if you try and live life without a world life view, without a big view, without the understanding of that there is more to life 
than what we're experiencing here. If you try and live life without this idea that there is a creator God who has made us, it will do your head in. And in the end, you won't have purpose or drive or understanding of what life is about. He says it's meaningless unless it has some framework to sit in. So I ask you that question. What's your worldview? What's your perspective of how to negotiate the seasons of life? How do you make sense of what's going on? And as he uh, unpacks in these, pa- in these passages, what does he think? He, he begins to say in verse 11, he says, God made everything beautiful. Straight away, he puts it into the big picture. There is a creator God. He says, this is how I'm going to negotiate the seasons of life. There is a creator God who made all things. He made people and he made it good. And there is still good in this uh, world today, even though it's broken and uh, full of sin and all of that, there is still the goodness of God uh, in this world. And he has this sense, are you seeing the beauty of God in this? Is this your reality, that you believe that there is a creator God who is over all, through all, and in all? And as he goes through this bit, he says, he has placed eternity in our hearts. He has made us spiritual beings. We have a spiritual reality. We have a spiritual understanding of what's happening in the world around us. We have an understanding, if we take this, as we go through the seasons of life, that there is more to life. There is life after death. We live beyond this. And that starts to shape, doesn't it, the way we view the things that we're going through now. He's saying this, that when I, when I view the world from this perspective, it changes everything. This is the right way to look at the world. And if you begin to look at the world and you begin to look at your situations this way, things begin to make sense. And in the end, verse 14 there, he says, and God has done this, he's sort of reflecting on the things he's written above, God has done this so that people will revere him, that people will fear him or reverence him. He's saying, so God is at work in this, and he's working through all of this, so that people will see God, that people will cry out to God, that people will know God, that people will trust God. God is revealing himself in all things. God is there to get us through those dry and dark times. God is there to celebrate us with us in those light and warm and fruitful seasons. God is over all, through all, and in all. That's what he says at the end of verse 14. And he says, this, re- this reality, this reality that God is over all and that I am his results in satisfaction and joy. Look what he says in verse 13. Because of that reality, I can live life to the full. I can find satisfaction in my work. I can find joy in the darkest of times. My life, he says, is not my own, but it belongs body and soul to my creator God. This is the perspective that will help you negotiate the storms, the droughts, the winds, the fires. This is the perspective that will help me see the beauty of things. It will help me humble myself when I see success. It will help me realize that God is the one who provides, not myself. If you have this perspective, then the things of the world 
are meaningless. And he, he goes on, if you look a bit down further in verse 18 and 19, he says, if you don't have this perspective, so if you don't have this perspective, then you're just like the animals who live and die and go into the dust. If you don't have a world life view that's bigger than this reality, well then just live, die and you're off into the, to the earth. But if you have a world life view that is bigger than that, it will help you negotiate whatever comes your way. There is beauty, eternity, reverence. God is over, through, over all, through all and in all. And we can find satisfaction. Isn't it interesting what he says? You find satisfaction because this is a gift of God. It's not you working it. It's not you working harder and working longer and striving more and earning more money that's going to give you satisfaction. What will give you satisfaction is receiving that as a gift from God and recognizing all that I have is from Him. And that my chief end <laughs> in life, isn't it, is to glorify God, so to recognize Him, revere Him, and enjoy Him forever. This is how we negotiate the seasons of life. He, the author of not sure, it's someone like Solomon, that some people say it's Solomon, other people say it's not. The, his term is the teacher who wrote this book, the teacher. And he tested these things. If you go through, please, and many of us have done the same. And we? We've tried to live without God. We've tried to test what it would look like to live without God, to go my own way, to make my own decisions. And often many of the seasons that we find ourselves in life are because chosen to live that way. And at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes in, Rome, uh, in chapter uh, 12, verse 13, he says, now the end has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. And this is what he says, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of mankind. And he sums up life and he says, come back to this is your view. If you understand this, view of your life, then believe that there is a God and then do what he says. <laughs> Live in that reality. Make a choice of a faith response to respond <laughs> to it. And what does he do in the end? He basically repents. He turns away from living the ways of the world and he turns back to God and he says, God, I acknowledge you as the creator of the universe and you have made me, created me to live with you forever. And he repents and he believes that to be true. So as you're going through the times in your life, whatever it is, are you looking to see the hands of the Creator God? Are you looking for His beauty? Do you see Him now? Do you see His hand on your life? If life is a burden to you at the moment, do you understand why? And if we look at um, you know, what he's saying, is, I want you to look at this from a biblical worldview. And so as we understand life from that reality, we go back, we understand that we live in a broken and sinful world. And he alludes to this when he talks about that the burden that God has laid on man in regard to work. 
And he's alluding back to Genesis chapter 3, when God cursed man and said, now you will toil under, so your work will be toilsome. And this is an effect of sin. And as we look at the biblical world life view, we understand that the things that happen in our life are sometimes a result of sin. We recognize that there is wickedness at play. Evil is at play. Satan is at play. And sometimes these things are coming against us. But often, as we ask ourselves, why do these things happen? That's the question, isn't it? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? The Bible often only gives the big picture view and not the little picture view. They often, like, you know, you think of the Job thing. Job never gets an answer as to why that happened. People in the Bible never get often get the answer as to why the specific things happened, but they get the big picture. There is a creator God that you live in a world that is broken by sin, and there is a God who is working uh, to bring about your salvation. And so often in the little things of our lives, we don't get the answer. And in that case, I think if we have this worldview that we ask the question, not so much why, but what for? What is God doing in this? Where is God in this? Uh, what's He doing this for? What, what am I learning in this situation? How is this building me? How is this changing me? What's this doing in the lives of people around me? And the beauty that we have as we travel this journey is that we do it collectively as the church, isn't it? And that we engage in this journey together and we put input into each other's lives uh, together. So then, as we consider the seasons of our lives, this overarching view becomes the reference point for our seasons. And just like we prepare for the seasons now, you know, in, in Melbourne, this knowledge, this understanding, the experiences that we have in life as we interact with this reality helps us and prepares us for future seasons. So in the dryness, in the hardness, we, we can be prepared for that. We know it's going to come. In the joys and the fruitfulness, we know that's going to come and God's, God's going to uh, help us in that. We've got to be prepared uh, for that. It gives us uh, knowledge and understanding of how to deal with that. As I was thinking about this passage, uh, I thought about Jesus. Because Jesus is another teacher. And he is a teacher that uses wisdom literature. If we go to the next slide. Um, he's a teacher that uses wisdom literature to help people understand a biblical worldview. And Jesus is constantly coming to people, not just solving their everyday problems, but giving them a big picture of how their life and their situation and their seasons fit into um, who God is and who they are because of Him. Think about how He taught, the agricultural images that He uses of seasons of growth, of uh, times of pruning and fruit. He too also experienced seasons in His life, didn't He? Of suffering, of hardship, uh, as seasons of public life, of seasons of private life, of seasons in different uh, cultures and, um, and situations. I would so much love to know what happened between when Jesus was 12 and when he was 30. And what happened in, those, in that season. We don't get pictures of it. 
I thought of this passage uh, this week as I was thinking about how Jesus interacts with this. It's Luke 13, verse 3, um, and people come to him and he, he says, I tell you, um, unless you repent, uh, you will likewise perish. So this is the passage um, where the, the Pharisees are coming to him and there's a tower of Siloam that has fallen on, fallen on and killed 18 people. And they're asking, tell us why this happened. Why did this tower fall and kill these people? And Jesus says, um, I tell you the truth, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 whom the tower of Siloam fell on and killed uh, um, were worse culprits than you? I tell you, no, unless you repent and you, you likewise will perish. He doesn't give the answer to why it happened, but he gives them the big picture. And he says, guys, uh, there is more to life than meets the eye. He, he says, have you recognized your own sinfulness before God? And he says, he, and, and he's dealing with religious people here. So he, these people know the law and, uh, and, and Yahweh and God. So he's saying, God, you need uh, a saviour. <laughs> you need to repent and turn to God. And he doesn't give them the answer to the short thing. He gives them the big picture. Jesus often does that with people that he ministers to. And remember some of the words that Jesus says uh, to us and to those he's with. He says, remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then when we understand the whole biblical worldview of the whole of the Bible, we recognize that Jesus is the Messiah who came to save the world, to enable us to enter into the relationship with the Creator God, who takes away the sins of the world, who uh, enables us to be right with God. So that God would be glorified and his kingdom continue to be lived out here on this earth. And here's the other thing as we look at the whole biblical worldview, isn't it? What happens when Jesus goes? His spirit comes and his spirit is his presence with us. And so now we have a sense that Christ is in the midst of the storm with us through his spirit. And here's the spirit of comfort, the spirit of strength the spirit that will get us through, Christ's presence with us in whatever season we're in. He produces, he's the one that's producing the fruit. He's the one that's producing the growth. And he asks us to keep in step with that reality. So that Paul in Philippians 4, when he's in a conflict situation in the church and it's all falling apart around him, he says, I can rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, I rejoice in the Lord. In the middle of this conflict and the church is falling apart and it's like, what's going on? It's all not working. And he says, I rejoice in the Lord. With prayer and petition, I go to my God and I say, I want this to change and I need your help. And he says, I go with thanksgiving. Why does he go with thanksgiving? he knows that God's with him in the middle of it and he knows that God can change it because he has a worldview of who God is and who he is because of it and that helps him negotiate this season of conflict so what season are you in you've been thinking about that I know that you know we've talked about it already prayed about it already there are people here who are facing the seasons of cancer of health there are people who are facing seasons of death of big moves, of changing jobs. There are people here who are feeling dry, spiritually cold, disconnected. There are other people that sit here and know the fruitfulness of God. They know and have seen God's work in their lives 
They feel the warmth of His love. They feel the, the light and power of His Spirit. What's your response in those situations? Are you giving thanks when you're in that season of fruitfulness, recognizing that everything is a gift from God? In those dry, hard, tough places, are you crying out to God and knowing and believing the reality that God is with you in the midst of it, that He is your comforter, your strength? This morning, He wants you to remember the big picture again. Remember Romans 8, there's nothing that separates you from the love of God neither height nor depth, near anything in all of creation separates you from the love of God through Christ Jesus. That's your reality. Be comforted, be assured, whatever situation you're in. There is a God who is in control of the seasons of your life. Trust Him. Cry out to Him. So as you're thinking about those seasons, I just want to quickly jump through each of the seasons. We'll just quickly jump through these, George. We're going to go to summer. Where are you? Are you dry, hot? You need some shade. You need some protection. God offers himself as a protector over you. Do you need living water? Where are you going to be refreshed? Is it the things of the world or is it to Jesus, his spirit? Are you asking for him to move? Or is it, are you in a summer of fruitfulness, that your life is green and leafy? And like I said, humble yourself. Remember, because they're gifts from God. Thank Him for it. Ask for more fruitfulness. Ask for the harvest to be rich and plentiful, because it's what He desires. It brings glory to Him. What about on autumn season? I thought the thing for me, um, things falling apart in your life? Is it time for pruning? The things need to be cut off in your life. If you think about how autumn works, the reason the trees drop their leaves is to protect their root system during winter. You're thinking about that, that I actually need God's protection over my life. Are you thinking about a bleak, bleak future? <laughs> that actually, I can't see. Away. It's actually going to get colder and harder. So God, I need your protection. I need your warmth. I need your help. In the midst of that, are you seeing the beauty? Are you seeing the beauty of a changing colour, of things that are changing? I saw, I was, <laughs> outside our bathroom window, um, there's a deciduous tree and it's losing its leaves and I've been watching it and the sun's sort of coming through it. And here's the thing, I, I hadn't sort of noticed this before, as the leaves are falling off, there's already buds behind it. And it's almost like the buds are pushing the leaves off the tree. Do you recognize that in autumn? <laughs> that even though it all seems to be falling, there is still life. Still life within you. Go to winter. Are you in cold, dark, lonely, depressed? Where are you going to get your warmth? Where's the light coming from? And my li line in this, it might be dormant, but you're not dead. You remain in Christ. We said, remain in me. Think of the vine picture. You remain in me. The vine, if you look in winter, the vine has got nothing on it. There's no skerrick of life in it. But within it, streams of living sap flow. Christ says, remain in me and I will flow through. And what will he do? I will produce fruit, fruit that will last. So remain in him. That, uh, last one, winter, spring. New life, growth. Is that your situation? 
Are you giving thanks to God for it, for the warmth? <laughs> I thought about spring. What's the negative of spring? Hay fever. Yeah, people get hay fever. <laughs> or weeds. They just seem to like grow up out of nowhere. There are sometimes, you know, sometimes I think spring can give us false hope. <laughs> Watch for that. In these places, are you remembering uh, the big picture as well? Last slide, Jordan. So the conclusion, now all has been heard and the conclusion of the matter is fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of mankind. And remember those summary of those verses that I said, in your questions, in your toil, in your boredom, remember the biblical worldview. Repent and believe and know God's presence with you. Think of beauty. Look for beauty. Think of eternity. Are you acknowledging God in it? Are you reverencing him? Are you fearing him? Are you honouring him? And remember, God is over through all, through all and in all. That's God's promise to you. He will be with you no matter what season of life is coming your way. He's promised that. And he's made it happen through Christ. So in your storms, in your confusion, your anxiety, your melancholy, As I reflect on my dryness, my barrenness, my burnout, whatever you want to call it, I'm just beginning to more and more see the beauty of God's hope. I more and more clinging to the truth of who He is and who I am because of Him. I am already seeing Him grow me and my family and this church. Is a big picture as I go through this. But I know that this too shall pass. Seasons will change. Ministry will flourish again. But in the ups and downs, God is at work at both. This, just even this week, I just recognize too that in that, my spiritual reality, that I got the sense of being under spiritual attack. And as I was doing that, I, I just got a glimpse of God. I was texting someone about something else. And I just said, oh, no, actually, I was responding to a card that I got from someone. Just a glimpse of God's beauty of encouragement. And I just asked them to pray for me because I recognized I was under spiritual attack. Because I believe in a world life view that God's at work and there's spiritual realities that there's an enemy that's working against. But I believe that God's over and above that. God has won victory. <laughs> and I have to believe the truth, not the lies of Satan. So I encourage you, whatever season that you're in, you look to God find satisfaction in his gift of salvation and life to the full. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the creator God. You are the one who created the universe. You know every star, every planet, every solar system by name. You have orchestrated its placement. And yet, you know the intimate detail of our lives. 
and that you come and are with us and are present. You have love for us. You're willing to die for us. You have shown us grace and mercy beyond compare. You've promised that you would never leave us or forsake us. For that, we're just truly thankful. And we give you glory. And so, Lord, as we negotiate the seasons of life, give us faith. Help us to repent and turn back to you. Help us to believe the truth. Help us to walk with you. Help us to celebrate with you. Help us to laugh with you, to mourn with you. But Lord, together as your people, help us to do that together as we journey together. Help us to walk with you as your people through this. And we pray that your power would be evident in our lives so that the world will know that you are God. Amen. This next song that we're going to sing is, uh, for me, one of the it's powerful songs uh, that talks about that no matter what happens in our life, we can still praise and honour God because we know that He's at work in all things. Songs, blessed be your name. So I pray that this may be your response to this loving and gracious God and that you may glorify Him as you sing this song. Let's sing. Would you please stand with us as we sing this song? Mm-hmm.